Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Content is Queen is proud to present you with the Black Kings this season in collaboration with the Social Mobility Commission. Welcome to the Wannabe Podcast, where you can get a behind-the-scenes look at the opportunities available in the creative and entertainment industries, all so that you can get to where you want to be in 30 minutes or less. I'm, of course, your host, Imriel Morgan. This is a special Black History Month mini-series that we've put together for you. I would like to give a huge thank you to the Social Mobility Commission, who have helped me explore how early life opportunities can improve or hinder your chances in life. According to the An Unequal Playing Field report, 51% of the soft skills that are lacking in the UK labour market are the ability to manage one's time and prioritise tasks. This highlighted a huge need to explore the benefits of extracurricular activities like sports and music. For example, 32% of high-income children take music lessons compared to just 11% of those on low incomes. And the disparity also exists for sport, where 64% of high-income children participate in sports and only 46% of low-income households do. With this in mind, I want to welcome to the show someone very special. Oladapu Daps Fagbenli also known as Daps, casually, is a Nigerian-born British artist, video director, and former NCAA athlete. Music fans listening will have seen Daps' work. He is best known for directing Migos, Bad and Bougie, Walk It Like I Talk It, City Girls and Cardi B's Twerk, Saweetie's My Type, as well as directing videos for Stormzy, Iggy Azalea, Kendrick Lamar, Wizkid, 2 Chains, and Davido, just to name a few. In today's episode, we learn about Daps' early aspirations in sports and music. The role of basketball in his life is tremendous. He shares how he got his first break in the music video industry. He is also candid about the challenges that exist for young black creatives, especially in Britain, and how to move past them and break into the industry. He also reveals the key driving force behind his success to date. Let's go. Who did you want to be before you became who you are today and why? I always wanted to be either a basketball player or a rapper. And I did both. Anyone in particular? And I did both. <laughs> and I did both. When I, was, when I was a kid, I wanted to be Snoop. So bad. I wanted to be Snoop. Oh, really? Yeah, Snoop. I don't think people understand how big he was. Like, people don't get it. But he was the biggest thing. <laughs> Imagine Drake, but street. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that was Snoop. <laughs> <laughs> mad, mad. With Snoop as your inspiration, was it his infamy that you liked or his talent or his score? Was it like a combination of all of those things? Like what mm. was the thing that you were like, this guy, that's the guy? When I was seven years old, one of my older brothers had a Walkman and um, he left it at the house and then the play button was broken. Old school Sony Walkman. <laughs> and I was trying to figure out what is on this Walkman. I can't figure it out for the life of me. There was no label on the tape either. So I'm trying to figure out, figure out, figure out. So then I found out that I can get a toothpick 
and put it inside a Walkman to uh, press the play button. Right. And the first thing I heard <laughs> was Snoop and Dre and the Dog Pound. And I was like, oh my God, what is this? <laughs> and it was just like, I thought I was on drugs. I was like, just a rush of like, Oh, wow. And then from that point, I said, one day I'm going to live in LA. I have to. And then since there, I've just been... Yeah, so Snoop back then was just... I don't know, he was the best. He had, he had the lyrics, he had the swag. Everyone then back then was doing like, tough guy, tough guy, tough guy. Mm. But he was very smooth and, yeah, with it. It's just different, you know what I mean? And then I'm quite laid back as well. Yeah. So maybe that's why I liked him as well, because I guess we're both laid back. But yeah. What did your parents make of that? Those dreams? They didn't know what they, they had no idea what I was listening to. <laughs> they didn't know what I was listening to. How do you think they would have felt about it? Oh, not good, not good. What little kid, primary school, listened to Ice Cube and Snoop and Dre and Dog Pound. It was not wholesome. It was not, that was not appropriate music yeah. for seven years. Because even now, when I listen to that music now as an adult, I find it like, <laughs> wow, these guys were crazy. <laughs> it's true. They really said what they said. And that's me now as an adult. But as a kid, I guess you're not even soaking in the context. Mm. And the um, severity of what yeah, they're actually saying. True. So it's yeah, quite that interesting. Is interesting. Yeah, so no, my parents would have not approved. Fair enough. But you wanted to go into sport and basketball. Yeah. And you did that for a while, no? You went to like college in the US and you were pursuing that. So what happened? Um, I didn't do well. I didn't <laughs> do well. In, in London, I did very well. In London, I was a killer. Yeah. And then I went to America. I went to high school for a year. High school in America finishes at 18. Yeah. And then I went to uni. And when I went to America to play ball, it just didn't click for me. And I think in life you have to take ownership and responsibility. And then for a while it was like, oh, I was in the wrong system. And oh, my coach this and my coach that and my teammates and this and that and my injuries. And I had, you know, I tore my ACL. I had ACL surgery. Then I had tendonitis and this and that, this and that. But then when I realized that it wasn't any of that, it was just me. I was the problem. What do you mean you were the problem? Like what was not clicking exactly? It was just like your mindset I didn't, wasn't... Yeah, my mindset, my mindset wasn't correct for that uh, level. And I didn't attack it. And I was too worried about what others thought. Mm. I was too worried about what would my coach think if even though he put me in this position and I'm not playing in my position, that's not my position. Why didn't I speak up about it? I'm an adult. From the time when you're 17, 18, you're an adult. Yeah. Why didn't I speak up about it? I didn't want to speak up about it because I didn't want to cause no issues. I didn't want to put my scholarship in jeopardy. Yeah. I didn't want to get sent back home to London. A lot of these pressures, if I do this thing, even though I was told not to, that's insubordination. That's yeah. arrogance. That's selfishness where the coach has planned this out. He's done this playlist and done this whole playbook, whatever, whatever. And you've got 12, 13 other teammates relying on you to do what you were told to do. If you don't do that and do what you want to do, that's kind of arrogant. And yeah. it's kind of selfish. But... What I realize is that the best people in any field they're in, they are coachable but arrogant. That's the truth. What does it mean to be coachable but arrogant, though? You have to be coachable enough to listen. Mm -hmm. You have to be arrogant enough to know, I'm the man and I'm taking a shot. And if you've got a problem with it, we can fight. <laughs> Not physically fight, but just, you know. Like, no, no, if it, no if, if it gets to that, yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Okay. Yeah, sure. Now that makes sense, yeah. actually, because... It's like leadership, right? Like, you know, you have to be confident in your own ability and skill set and knowledge mm -hmm. in order to pursue what you're pursuing. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I guess like maybe arrogance isn't necessarily the right word, but I can so see you how you it? reframe it. Confidence. What would you call it? What would you call it if an authority figure mm. who's in charge and knows more than you because yeah. he or she's been doing it for 20, 30 years more than you 
your part of the system that you signed up for. Yeah. You're on a full ride scholarship that costs 50k a year. Education is now paid for. Yep. I've got two degrees. I didn't pay for any of them. Congratulations. What would you What would you call that if you individual said, "I'm not doing this. I'm doing this." <laughs> Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, fine. I can see how that would be viewed as arrogance. But you have to put in the work behind closed doors to even do that. You can't just do it aloof or nilly-willy. You have to have put in so many hours behind closed doors in the darkness that when you do take that shot, that's against the grain. Yeah. You have to be so sure in yourself that you have gone so hard that you deserve to take that shot, not just out of yeah. selfishness. It's out of, I've, I actually worked for this. Yeah. I have so much confidence in myself, I'm going to show you that I can do this this way. So did you not do that? No. Like, do, no. You just, I was in a system yeah, okay. for years and I didn't attack. I didn't approach it. I didn't even go to his office and discuss with him. Hey coach, by the way, this is not, this is not my, you know what I mean? Mm. So, and because I just had a lot of, I don't know, I, I took it very seriously and it was, I mean, it was kind of serious. I'm in a different country. I'm on a full ride scholarship. But then the day I graduated at my first uni, my coach was there and he shook my hand and he was like, Congratulations, son. And in that handshake, in that moment, I didn't say it out loud. But I looked and I was like, in my head, I'm like, you're just a man. Like, nothing more, nothing less. You're just a man. And in that moment, handshake, I'm like, for the last four years, I've been pussyfooting and dilly-dallying. Yeah. And I'm like, why didn't I just, I took it so, I'm like, it's just a game. Just put the orange ball in the hole. Everything else, <laughs> everything else is white noise. And all those shortcomings and all those failures, I'm very thankful for because they made me who I am. That's awesome. And congrats to kind of getting to the place you are at now because you are probably like one of the best at what you do. Um, but I, because we were talking about school, I am just curious, like what were you like at school? And was there a difference between what you were like in school uh, in the UK? You also in Nigeria for a bit. And in the US, like, was there a difference in how you were or were you quite consistent? Primary school, secondary school, I'll say I was the same in both in London. I was a joker. I was athlete, funny. And then I was always getting along with it. I didn't really attack school work like I could have and should have. But it wasn't that difficult for me either. Okay. But I wasn't... Naturally gifted. Yeah, I wasn't... I wasn't a... Schoolwork lover, but I got, you know, above, I did above average without having to kill myself. Fair enough, yeah. Yeah. I relate. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I'll say, I'll say I was pretty consistent throughout England versus America in terms of how I was personality-wise. Cool. With what you do now, so you, for the most part, for anyone that's listening and doesn't know, you direct music videos and you have directed some of the most influential hip-hop music videos in particular. So I'm personally curious how you went from this person that was just like, I want to be a rapper or I want to play basketball to actually I'm just going to like come up with like some of the most crazy and interesting and visually interesting visual art that has kind of been definitive of like our time in like trap music and hip-hop. Like how the hell did that happen? Or was it always there? Oof. I've always been creative. And I've always been involved in the arts of sorts, whether it's visual or audio. So it wasn't like a brand new thing for me. I've been making music before I was even playing basketball. You know, I started playing basketball nice. when I was 10. I've been doing music before then. 
So even even messing around with look. When you say doing music, like making making beats, producing and making, making beats, beats, writing, oh, wow. writing, rapping, everything. Nice. So that's always been in me. You know what I mean? Mm. So I've always been interested in that as well. So when I found out that I wasn't going to the NBA, <laughs> um, which was which was very early on, you know, it wasn't like a big dampener for me because. I love creativity and the art as much as I love basketball. Mm-hmm. So me not making it in basketball wasn't heartache. It was just, oh, oh, I also have this other stuff I like doing. Yeah. So for me, the transition came post-uni. My brother, Luti, started Luti Media. So I started working with him initially. So when I worked with him, I learned the whole ropes in terms of production. I learned all the back-end stuff, yeah. how to do accounts, how to do budgets, how to produce, how to PM, how to do all these things, right? So yeah. when I learned that and I started working with him, I realized, you know what, this producing thing is cool, but it's not really my forte. I want to be more creative. That's when I started trying to direct. Yeah. But throughout my whole life, I've never not made music. Mm-hmm. So started trying to direct. It didn't really go too well. And then what happened? It's just like any field, isn't it? How do you book your first job? Like in a creative, if you're a, if you're, if you're an independent contractor, if you're Mm. a plumber, electrician, a dancer, a makeup artist, how do you book that first gig? It's either you do it for a family member for free. Yep. Or local, local. Right. Or how do you get that first paying gig by a big company? It's like kind of impossible because you don't have the work to show you can do the work. It's mad. It's like some cash 22. It's like chicken and egg. Yeah. So I started making music again. So then my first videos, my first real videos in London were for me as the artist. So I'm yeah. self-directing my own videos. Ooh, isn't that challenging? It's very hard. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So I was self-directing my own videos. Then that caught a little bit of traction. Director X caught wind of it via my brother. And I started working with Director X. Kind of like a um, mentor relationship. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, shadowing him on set, writing, writing uh, concepts with him, whatever. Just learning those ropes, seeing, and I'm seeing firsthand how he works on set. And all these times there, I'm not directing. I'm still soaking in directing knowledge either yeah. through X, my boy Sasan, through another director called Rage. And then also very important is this, there's a photographer in Fabian Montique. And I think most of my style comes from his photography, I would say. Okay. So I was around him for like, a few months when we were producing a, a, a documentary for Kanye West back in 2012. Cash. Cash. <laughs> <laughs> so now I'm around Kanye for a bit. I'm around Virgil when he's doing Pyrex and all yeah. that. I'm around. So I'm just soaking in all these vibes. And I'm soaking in vibes at a time where I felt rap videos weren't banging like that. Oh, interesting. On a, on a, sorry, sorry, street, street rap videos yeah, okay. weren't hitting like that for me. And I was just saying to myself... I'm working on all these pop songs in the UK. Back then, the UK wasn't even messing with giving black boys budgets, I mean, for rap and R&B or whatever. And the first time I came to LA was 2010. This is before I moved back to London. And I was like, this is everything my seven-year-old self said it was going to yeah. be. That's so sick. Like, there's, there's palm trees. <laughs> there's, there's real life. There's real life palm trees. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of sunshine. There's a lot of action. There's a lot of... I was like, wow. And it looked like everything you thought it was going to, I thought I was an entourage. Wow. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's the moment I say, yeah, it's a fact. <laughs> I'm moving to this place, isn't it? With the intention of directing video, so like you, were, you wanted to go to LA to pursue that career path or you just wanted to be in LA just to be in LA? I wanted to be in, a, in something to do with music or visuals. Right, yeah. It's 2010. 2011, I moved back to London for four years. That's when I'm working with Luti Media in person. That's when I'm doing that whole Kanye thing, doing that whole, yeah. I mean, I did four videos yeah. between 2011, beginning and the end of 2014. Wow. Three, three and a half years, four videos. And I did three videos or four videos for myself as the artist okay so count me out because it's hard to show clients my own work hey look at me rapping <laughs> <laughs> give me a job i'm a rapper i don't look serious you know what i'm trying to yeah, say exactly so forget my own videos i did four videos in three and a half years going on four years in the uk yeah. and i pitched on between 30 and 40 so to cut a long story short i didn't do any videos in the uk did you ever come to figure out why yeah i know why <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know why. This is a broad stroke comment, and it's way better now than it was 2014. I bet. UK has an inbuilt hate culture. UK has an inbuilt self-depreciating culture yeah. where we don't necessarily see something until someone else sees it. Oh my God, I'm speaking my language. And for a lot of, I feel like it's a black thing. Mm-hmm. There's this crabs in a bucket mentality. Mm-hmm. And your immediate response is to do, oh, what's that? Yeah, so, and that's just how we are. And I've seen it on several occasions. For example, I think, um, who used to do um, Crep Check? Was it Link Up TV or? I don't GR? know, you know. I feel it was Link Up. They used to do a thing called, yeah, Crep Check, where they like go to artist's house and they look at all their trainers. And after that, they started doing car check. Right. Someone like me, when I see someone flexing, I get so gassed. <laughs> like, whether I know him or not, I'm like, yo, look, look how he's moving. This is mad. Yeah. I get so happy and inspired and genuinely joyful. He's flexing. Wow. Like, Love I'm so it. happy. Yeah. I'm so happy. <laughs> I'm looking at his R8 like, I don't even know. The top liked comment was, oh, why did he get the 4.2 and not a 5.4? Oh my God. <laughs> That is a summary of UK for you. It doesn't matter what you do and what you give them. Yeah. That was a top-liked comment. It doesn't matter what you give them. They're going to not find a positive in it. They're going to go to the negative in it. Yeah. Or down downplay you. UK likes humility. They don't like people that's loud, people that's too outspoken. Stay in your box. Stay in your place. Who do you think you are? Yeah. Why are you so happy? <laughs> Why are you so flexy? Why are you so arrogant? Why are you so... That's a general UK. You know what I mean? I so. This, yeah. And then on another level, people forget the UK dynamics. Let's not kid ourselves. UK is 3% mm-hmm. black. 
UK population is about London isn't UK by the way. Oh, I know. London I went is to not the North for university. London <laughs> That was a rude awakening. <laughs> London London is not representative of the UK. London is not a cross section of the UK. It's not an slightly. accurate depiction. Mm. And we that live in London, we that grew up in London forget that it's not multicultural in the rest of England. Of course Liverpool, Manchester, Bowen of cool. Other than that, it's not multicultural. Yeah. If somewhere three percent black on a population of sixty million, population in America is three hundred and thirty million. Fifteen percent black. That's forty five million people. So the same effort you're putting out in your content, you're selling to this amount of people that can buy your stuff. Yeah. Or this might be bad by stuff. In America, it's not only blacks buying black, it's whites yeah, buying black. Of course. In England, it's only now that rap and R&B is charting every week in, in the last two years. Black culture in America has been pop culture since the 80s. Yeah. Lionel Richie, Prince, Michael Jackson, NWA, blah, 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 blah. So black culture has been pop. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I so, I so, yeah. so now we had so much issues in UK getting through because... There's so many barriers in terms of demographics and population and buying power and black yeah. culture wasn't pop culture like that. So Solid did their thing, Dizzy did their thing, so and so did their thing, but it wasn't pop culture. It's only now that my jammer's doing this, Chunks is doing this, Michael Dapper's doing this, Stormzy's doing that's not normal back then. This, this person got yeah, exactly. I seen I seen I seen notes on a cut Geiger campaign. I'm like, what the fuck? This is mad. <laughs> like yeah, Tavian's doing bits as well. You're just like, what? This is mad. Isn't he sponsored by Louis Vuitton or something? It's, it's mad. Yeah. You got actors doing stuff with Netflix and Drake and this and that, and then you got Ratman doing stuff with Rock Nation, and it's a whole new world. It's a whole new world. So things have sh- finally shifted. You know what I mean, so I'm happy about that. But yeah, I'll say there's there's still that little bit of barriers, even with Damson, for example, Damson Idris actor. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think he was supposed to be on some talk show or something. They said he's not a big enough star power or big enough talent to be on their talk show. Excuse fucking you. <laughs> My guy that was on Jimmy Kimmel. Like, so America has the biggest talk show in the world, Jimmy Kimmel. And they think he's okay for the show. Yeah. And he's from your end. He's from Peckham. He's from the dirt. He should be heralded and pat on his back. They should bring feathers for him when he comes to the attack show it should because he's from the dirt and he made it past that and exceeded he should be given extra pats on the back that's London for you yeah it doesn't work like that's that London for you. Like that. and then or, and then well anyway you see the trend whether it's uh, Daniel Kalua or Damson or Idris Elba or whatever or even or my brother Oti like they won't be fucked with in, in London they didn't get no big roles in London until they got big yeah, roles in America true. The Wire Snowfall Black Panther mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway then let me start <laughs> No, I do. I do know. Uh, I know that whole like mentality, because even when I started out doing well, what I'm doing here, it took y- us kind of collaborating with major US people to even get that like that cosign to be like, oh, you guys are like worth our time. We're worth talking to or exploring. And uh, yeah, like my first festival that I did, a podcast festival I did, was with Charlemagne. Mm. Um, and we were like deliberate. Like mm. we were very, like we had to be like, you know what? No one's going to deal with this festival if we only put UK talent on the lineup. And the reality was, unfortunately for us, had we not done that, we had to end up making the UK stage free to people 
because mm. they would not buy tickets for £10. And there were 16 black British artists, podcasters on the stage wow. who had their own audiences that were listening to them week to week to week to week, but they would not show up and pay their money. So we had to make it free. So, it, yeah, I mean, I can relate to that, that you want to get paid for like your time and energy going into content creation. But I guess, yeah, you're, it's like you say, like, I can definitely understand why so many creative geniuses, artists, actors, singers, rappers do want to go to the US because the population difference is remarkably different. Like if what you're selling happens to be for black people, it makes sense to go to where where they are. So with the work you're doing now, and I guess, you know, you've now got accolades on accolades. <laughs> You are respected, well-regarded. You're living in LA. You're living your best life. Sometimes. Um, what are you working on getting better at right now? I'm working on getting better at saying no, which I do very well at. But So, <laughs> so, so what's the need to improve? <laughs> basically, not juggling so much at once. Mm-hmm. And honing in on projects. So all the resources are put to all that project. So it's a fruitful and better received project and better quality project okay. or product. I'm working on building my company, Creative Row. I'm signing directors. I'm working on nice. I'm working on that, working on making them monsters, working on getting them paid, working on putting money in people's pockets. And then I'm also working on getting my foot in the door in this TV and film world, which is a whole different animal. That is different. So I've done my... I've, I've done my thing in music videos, my TV and film. I'm a, I'm a little small rap, so I'm starting again. So working on that and just seeing the vibes and how to uh, maneuver in that world because it's a different. It's a different world. Knowing, yeah, knowing, knowing, knowing the language, knowing etiquette, knowing. You know what I'm trying to say? Because on a music video set, I'm like King Kong. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah, <laughs> I'm King Kong. But in this TV and movie thing, I have to come and circle well and do humble. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> Yeah, you know I mean, and learn how to talk and when to talk and how to ha 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 and do the, you know what I mean, play play the game really as well. So yeah. still learning the ropes and all that kind of stuff. Basically, just trying to get my first projects picked up and sold and start getting those developed. So that's what I'm working on. That sounds intense. Yeah, and a few other things but as well. But you just you're like like the challenge. I love that shit, man. I love the struggle. Just doing new things. I love the struggle. <laughs> Don't get too addicted to the struggle. Sometimes just become. I like it. I like it. <laughs> I like the grind rather. Fair enough. Um, so just to wrap up, I would like to know what the worst advice you've ever received and what the best advice you've ever received is. The worst advice I ever received. The worst. Mm-hmm. Huh. That's an interesting question. No one's asked me that. And I think I've been quite good at um sifting sifting advice because no one is you. They're not living your life in your shoes. So soak it in. Yeah. Soak it in, but filter out the unnecessary stuff. Mm-hmm. I couldn't I couldn't I couldn't tell you off the top of my head what was some bad advice Fair was. Enough. You could be like your brother and just give two good advices instead. Okay. I'll give you three then. No, I'm joking, <laughs> joking. Um, good advice. It sounds very simple, but when it's expanded on, it's so important, man. It's strictly business. Mm. It's strictly business. And a lot of people, we have egos, we have pride, mm-hmm. and we have this self thing going on where it's like you take things personally. 
And in business, you don't mix business with feelings and personal. Yeah. As best as you can. And a lot of time, even though something didn't go your way or someone tried you or whatever, it probably wasn't personal. It was just business in their best interest. And then the second one, to match my brother, he did two. I'm going to say... Not competitive at all. I'm going to say... (laughs) I'm going to say... PPPPP. What? Proper planning prevents poor performance. Proper planning prevents poor performance. Yes. Five P's. PPPPP. Yep. <laughs> um, and once again, that goes back to what I said in the beginning about working hard behind closed doors, working hard yeah. in the darkness when no one's looking. Mm-hmm. When you plan properly, when you do the hard work, you do your homework, you work out, you take your thousand shots a day, you're doing your research, you're watching movies, you're taking your notes, whatever. When it comes to game time, it should be easy because you already went through hell already. Yeah. But if you wait to game time to activate, you can't activate because you didn't work on it. Oh, that's you're good. Gonna, you're going to you're gonna, you're gonna perform poorly. But if you've done 1,000 reps, 10,000 hours, 10 million reps, when it's game time, it's what I said before. It's not serious anymore. It's just a game. Yeah, exactly. I like that. Thanks. I needed to hear that today because I've been real lazy. <laughs> <laughs> a, bit, a bit at a time. We all, we all go through our valleys and peaks as long as you're putting one foot forward, you know. And, oh yeah, yep, actually, I'm doing three. Five solid years, mate. I'm doing three. I'm doing, okay, I'm doing go three. for it. I'm doing three. I'm, I'm, doing I'm three. here. I'm here for it. Do it. Big, <laughs> big goals, yeah? You could have the big goal in mind, but you can't look at the big goal because it's so overwhelming. Mm. And now your motivation is about the achievement or the reward Whereas your motivation should be the process. So when you look at the big goal, how do you climb Mount Everest? If you show me Mount Everest, I'd be like, that's a big fucking mountain, man. How am I going to get to the top? I need a Sherpa. It's, it's, it's minus 60 degrees. Fucking my donkey died. Oh my God, I ran out of water. Oh, the snow's coming in. Whereas if I look at my feet and just take one step, one step, one step, you have to put things. So big goals, put them in bite-sized packages. Don't try and yeah. eat the mountain. Don't try and climb the mountain. Just take one step. That's it. One step. And that's where you need to start. One step, one step, one step, one step. And there might be a snowstorm coming, whatever, you know, bunker down. Next day, one step, one step, one step. And eventually you look up and shit, you're looking down because you're at the top. Yeah. Amazing. Good advice, up. Yeah. Good advice. It's very easy to deal with overwhelm. I think a lot of people are overwhelmed and overworking and setting very big goals for themselves. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. Set, no, set, set, set big goals. We definitely need to. So all all but, set yeah, big goals, think... but tackle it by doing bite size. Amazing. Thank you so much, Daps. This has been great. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I had so much fun recording this episode with Daps. He is insanely talented and definitely someone whose star is going to continue to rise. You can learn more about Daps and his work by following him on Instagram at flexgoddaps and via his website dapsofficial.com. For updates on Wannabe, follow Content is Queen on Twitter at Content is QN and Instagram at Content is Queen HQ. If you have a story that you are dying to tell for a podcast, then head to contentisqueen.org and join our waiting list to get access to our members podcast studios here in London. If you're enjoying this podcast, please do leave a review on Apple Podcasts and share it with your friends via your Insta stories. We've pulled some amazing quotes from the episodes, which you can reshare via Instagram and Twitter. So please do. This podcast is proudly a Content is Cream production recorded at our studio in Peckham. Mad love to Ellie Clifford for pulling this episode together. And thank you for listening. This is the conclusion to this series and I hope you've enjoyed it. Thank you so much. And until next time... Bye.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.